Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring tales to terrify and far-fetched fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 555. Yes, I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Tell you what's coming in today's show. We have Dog Face on Ice by Timothy Moody. How about that? That's coming in the Starship Sova today and it's an original to Starship Sova. So last week on Patreon, we were 434 and we are now at 433. <laughs> Fell over there. But I want to say a huge big thank you to David Tidwell, David, sir, thank you so much. Oh, man, that's a nice one. Thank you so much indeed. And String, yes, that's that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And Tina Louise, Tina, you are a, an absolute star of the three years. Thank you so much indeed. That's how much you can see it fluctuate. We lost one, but we gained three. So follow me and we will jump straight in to Starship Sova's original story this week. Like I say, Dog Face on Ice by Timothy Mudie. Tim has stories published in Lightspeed, Alterate and Metamorphosis, plus several others in several other magazines and in anthologies. He lives outside Boston where he works as an editor for a trade publishing house. 
This story is narrated by Andrew Lieben. Andrew is a producer, designer, actor, writer and director. Not necessarily in that order. He has appeared on professional stage in Chicago and Los Angeles and has been a member of the Theatre Banshee in Burbank, California. He has designed graphics props for numerous films and TV shows. With his friend and collaborator of many years, Sean Brawny, Andrew has been running the HP Lovecraft Historical Society since 1984, man, and has developed numerous films, audio and graphic projects, including the award-winning motion picture The Call of Cthulhu and The Whisper in the Darkness. He is the author of Lovecraftian Times and is the designer of the highly authentic prop documents of Call of Cthulhu Gamers. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Dog Face on Ice by Timothy Moody. Never get high on your own supply. The first commandment of drug dealing, because when you break that one, it leads to breaking others, to all sorts of other problems, to thinking bad ideas are good ideas. And this, Dogface knows, is almost certainly a bad idea. But he doesn't see any other option. He needs to get out, and more importantly, he needs to get his daughter out. Things have turned dangerous. He tried to wait, to let the natural course of things smooth out this particular rough patch, but it hasn't happened. Running away is the only option, but he didn't know how he and Kayla would manage until he took a hit of Primavera a day ago, and suddenly it was all clear, like a wide, grassy meadow on a sunny spring morning. He's clean now, though, clear-headed, cold. That last hit when he figured out their escape plan is the last time he used. He hasn't even tested the new batch, relying on his years of experience, on his recipe. He knows it's good. He presents this to anyone he finds out there on the ice, and they'll take in him and Kayla. They'll have to if they want any more of the Primavera, if they want to feel warm. Only the first batch is free. Kayla watches him pack up their meager belongings, what they can afford to take with them. Some extra clothes, some canned goods, canteens, a camp stove, not saying a word. This isn't unusual. She's never been much of a talker, not one to make new friends. Of course, that would be easier if there were any kids her age in the complex. 
any kids at all. But the apartment complex is where they ended up after everything fell apart and the world froze. And since no one can have kids anymore, Kayla has been cursed to a life among adults, just trying to survive, trying to forget their past lives, to ignore the fact that they were the last humans on Earth. Dogface couldn't blame his daughter for not being particularly chatty. In that respect, she takes after her father. Luckily, he thinks that's about the only thing she got from him, especially lucky that she didn't get his face. People will call her by her given name. He's been dog-faced for so long that it doesn't even bother him, even though it doesn't really make sense. There's a deformity, yes, a jutting jaw and sunken cheekbones, eyes that look about to pop out of his head and ping-pong around the room, but he doesn't look like a dog. At least he doesn't think so. But someone called him that when he was a kid, and it's stuck ever since. Even when the world ended, he didn't get to go back to his old name. When he and Kayla get wherever they end up, he vows he's going to insist everyone call him Charlie. Okay, Cuddlebug, he says, crouching to his daughter's level, smiling excitedly, trying to project confidence, happiness, hoping she'll mirror it. Time to hit the road. But it's not nice to hit, she says softly, smiling so sheepishly that if he hadn't raised her since birth, Dogface wouldn't realize Kayla is making a joke. He winks. We'll make an exception, just this once. He slings the bag over his shoulder and picks up Kayla with his other arm. She's too big for that now, really, too heavy to carry in just the crook of one arm, but she's scared, and he knows that holding her close will make her feel safe, reassure her that everything is okay. Dogface wishes he had someone to do the same. Primavera does that, he guesses, and considers taking a quick hit, but forces himself not to. Instead, he pulls Kayla closer, soaking in the warmth of her body through the many layers he's dressed her in, Thick socks, boots with warming packets in the toes, long johns under flannel pants, under puffy pink overall snow pants, a matching puffy coat, gloves and mittens with more warming packs, a balaclava and the knit cap with the rainbow puffball on top that she likes. It's unbearably cold out, especially at night, especially with the wind biting like a swarm of frozen wasps, but they're going to have to bear it anyway. The wind will hide their tracks." He straps the bag to the snowmobile and then straps Kayla into a little sidecar. Under other circumstances, pre-apocalypse circumstances, it would be cute. Except it's half past midnight and the wind chill is fifteen below. In pre-apocalypse circumstances, anyone seeing him bring a four-year-old out like this would call child services. You in tight, he asks, and when Kayla nods, he says, Good. Keep your head low, okay? A helmet goes on her head. He pops a pair of ski goggles over her eyes, the only part of her body exposed to the air. Puts the same on himself. Winks. Realizes she can't see it and gives a thumbs up instead. The machine sputters to life and they're off. Off to where? He can't exactly say. Dogface has no concrete destination in mind, nowhere that he knows of where other survivors have hunkered down to wait out the slow death of humanity. So he heads north, because it's going to be cold no matter which direction he heads, and he figures that Russell will assume he headed south. He needs to be tricky to outsmart the leader of the Crystal City Towers apartment complex in Arlington, Virginia. Four hours of hurtling through gusting snow, and his eyelids feel heavy, and he thinks about stopping, bunking down in some relatively intact building, lighting a fire. A grocery store sits across a vast parking lot, the wind has blown the snow into a massive drift along the front of the building, probably breaking the glass and spilling into the store, but Dogface bets there's a loading bay around to the back that's more secluded, more protected from the wind and drifts. 
dry, at least relatively so. He's maneuvering the snowmobile across the lot when he hears engines. His heart soars with excitement for a split second, until he realizes the sound is coming from the same direction they did. He turns the snowmobile toward the road, thinking they'll make a run for it, then second-guesses himself and swerves back toward the store, so caught in indecision that he doesn't think to turn off the snowmobile's headlight, which waves back and forth in the abandoned black air. Here we are. Come get us. Those few moments of panic doom them, giving just enough time for the snowmobiles from the complex to surround them, one darting past and cutting him off from behind, the other staying in front of him, working together like wolves. The snowmobilers wear helmets and goggles, their faces obscured, but he knows they're Travis and Deshaun, Russell's most loyal, even now. "'Just let us go!' he calls as the snowmobiles skid to a stop. "'Tell Russell we must have gone south!' For a few seconds it's quiet, just the whistling snow and the sibilant rubbing of Kayla's snowsuit as she fidgets in her seat, and Dogface dares to hope. Then Deshaun says back loud, so he's heard over the wind, you know we can't do that, dog. He'll never know. Bitter laughter gets snatched away on a gust of wind. Man, he'll know. He always knows. Dogface wants to argue, but can't. Deshaun is right. Somehow Russell always knows when he's being lied to. A powerful trait for a leader to have. A gift for him and a curse for everyone else in his life. He looks around but knows there's nowhere to go. His throat tightens, tears well up, but he stiffens his jaw, not in front of his daughter. Eyes still on Deshaun and Travis, Dogface reaches behind him. Kayla grabs hold of his hand and gives it a squeeze. He hates that she's had to grow up so fast that she knows how hopeless everything is at this moment, that she's the one comforting him. They'll go back and face the consequences. There's no other option. The sky is clear of clouds, and the moonlight shining down glitters off the snow. The flakes aren't falling, just getting blown by the wind. Streetlights line the parking lot, but the bulbs are long since gone, the glass broken and mingled with the snow, the rust-covered poles looking like trees, leafless because nothing grows anymore, not in the perpetual winter. Dogface, my friend, you know you're too valuable to leave. Russell stands behind a dry bar in the living room of his apartment, the complex's penthouse suite pouring vodka over ice, a splash of long, flat tonic water. Scratch that. You're not just valuable. You're indispensable. Dogface would like to believe that. But right now, sitting in a plain wooden kitchen chair, his right side cool and his left side too hot from the fire burning in a wood stove not six feet from him, Dogface feels all too dispensable. The stove wasn't originally in the room, but Russell had been a mechanical engineer. He built it himself, just like he fortified the rest of the apartment complex, built it up, fashioned the community. Without Russell, there would be no Crystal City. But without Dogface and the Primavera he cooks, no one would care whether they were dead or alive to begin with. A complimentary relationship. Honestly, where did you think you could go? "'Russell asks, his tone jovial, yet somehow still dripping with menace. "'Next to the vodka bottle on the bar sit the bag of Primavera, "'and next to that a large pistol and larger knife, "'the kind a person would use to skin a deer. "'Dogface inches the chair away from the fire. "'I just—' "'Dogface starts and then trails off. "'There's no right answer. "'Maybe there's someone else out there.' Not better off than us, I can tell you that. No, sir. 
Russell lifts the glass in a salute and takes a swig. You want one? Dogface shakes his head, and Russell shrugs. He sets the vodka down on the bar and picks up the gallon Ziploc next to it, packed to the brim with irregular orange oblongs, little tablets of sunshine. Enough to keep the seventeen people in the complex going a week and a half, maybe two. The drug goes quickly when people are on it twenty-four-seven. This, Russell says, holding up the bag like he's displaying it at an auction. This here, man, you were going to take this away from us, dogface. What the hell, man? You were going to take away the sun forever. He shakes his head, lips downturned and pouting, blue eyes sagging, sad and scared. He doesn't seem to notice that the hand without the bag has picked up the pistol and gestures with it aimlessly. We don't need it, Dogface says, but each word gets slower until the last one just drops to the floor. He exhales through his teeth and shakes his head, disagreeing with himself. Of course they need it. Dogface wants a hit right now. Russell stares at him for a minute, but doesn't bother to respond to Dogface's comment, letting its absurdity just hang there. Finally, he says, I've got to make sure you keep making it, though. Primavera is life, man. So Kayla, she's going to stay with me and Sandra. We're going to take care of her. She'll be our ward, he smiles wistfully. Like in Game of Thrones. You remember that show? I never saw it, Dogface says through gritted teeth. We'll never know how it was all going to end, who was going to win. Reverently, he lifts the bag of Primavera, holds it so he can watch the fire dance through the translucent homemade pills. Man, fuck this world. Russell, please, I know I made a mistake. She's my daughter. She's all I have. He doesn't know how to deal with Russell these days. When they first met, just after everything fell apart, before the world was completely over, desperation would have moved the man. Now he might just see it as weakness. Still, Dogface can't keep the panic and despair out of his voice. He speaks quietly. Kayla's back in the bedroom with Sandra. He doesn't want to scare her. You need to earn back my trust, Dogface. But you're wrong about one thing. Your girl's not all you've got. You've got your lab, and all of us. We need you. He opens the bag of Primavera and removes a tablet. He pops the dose in his mouth and chases it with vodka. Now be off with you, he says imperiously, waving his hand and laughing like he's making a joke. Another drug commandment. Never sell where you rest at. This one, at least, Dogface follows, though in this case the reasoning behind it is reversed, to keep everyone else safe. Fabricating Primavera is dangerous. Chemicals reacting, fires burning, the potential for explosion or toxic gas release a constant. His lab is on the top floor of the East Wing. Everyone lives in the West Wing on the ground floor, with the exception of Russell, and even he lived there until he started getting grandiose and paranoid a couple months ago. So there are hundreds of yards between Dogface and the people he makes the drug for. Between him and his daughter. It's been a full week now, and Dogface hasn't seen Kayla. Russell won't let him, not until he's got a batch of Primavera ready, and the process takes about a week. He could leave the lab, he supposes, but if he can't see Kayla, why bother? So he sleeps on his cot, popping tabs of the previous batch, transported to sunny spring days. For the length of the high, he's content. Then the warmth seeps out of his body, the sun in his mind goes down, and suddenly he feels every negative degree that it is outside. 
Dogface shivers so hard his shoulders hurt. His teeth chatter like one of the semi-automatic rifles that Russell had Deshaun and Travis search for, that he now has them pointing at anyone who doesn't agree with his demands. There are rumblings he is going to take a second wife, against Sandra's objections, against the objections of the woman herself. Maybe that will snap everyone out from under his sway. Dogface fingers another capsule of Primavera, tracing a minuscule spiral along it with his fingernail. His fingertip burns with cold, like he's frostbitten. He knows it's all in his head, part of the come-down. Food will help, so he stands up, his joints clicking and creaking, and makes his way to the kitchen. He opens a cupboard, but the shelves are bare, save for a jar of peanut butter. Hungry, now that the idea is in his head, he spoons peanut butter right from the jar, working away at the cool, semi-congealed paste. Before he realizes it's happening, the jar is empty, but his stomach still feels hollow, a deep black pit. He checks the batch of Primavera, just a few more minutes. Then he can see his daughter, not to mention trade the drug, real food for the illusion of warmth. He's not sure who's getting the better end of that deal. Bundled against the cold, feet heavy in his thick-soled boots, practically dragging himself down the hallway. He understands it's infeasible to heat the corridors, but when he's walking between his lab and the West Wing residences, the chill worming its way through the seams of his clothes, nipping and gnawing his bones, he can't help but wish for the way things used to be. Central heating. Another utter miracle that everyone had taken for granted. He tries not to think of these things. It's useless and depressing. So he forces himself not to think about the last time he saw grass or ate a fresh vegetable. He ducks his head and trudges to the door of Russell's apartment. He hesitates, listening for Kayla's voice, hoping to get a peek into what her life has become. But it's silent. He knocks, and the door opens almost immediately, like Russell was waiting for him. Dogface, he exclaims. Come on in. Here to see your girl? He steps back and lets Dogface into the room, closing the door immediately to seal in the heat from the fire. An assault rifle is slung lazily across his back, a pistol in a hip holster. He looks like some tin-pot warlord. Sandy, bring out the kid! We've got company! Sandra and Kayla enter from the short hallway that leads to the bedrooms, Kayla squeaking, Daddy! as she sees him and running into his arms. He hugs her tight, reluctant to let go. She squirms, and he makes a game of it. He's an octopus, and she's a little guppy, and he's going to squish her and eat her up. She squeals and laughs, and after a few more seconds, he lets up and she wriggles away. Hey, dogface, Sandra says, her voice soft. It seems softer every time he sees her, like Russell is gradually draining it out of her while she sleeps. How's it going? He nods and smiles. How are you doing, Cuddlebug? Are you being good? He asks Kayla. She's a doll, Sandra says. Russell vigorously nods his agreement. Oh, such a doll, a little princess. Really, it's refreshing to have a kid around. Almost makes you forget. He shakes his head. Well, no need to dwell on that. What can I do for you, Dogface? Dogface lifts the gym bag that holds the Primavera, gives it a little shake. Come to trade. A gargoyle grin spreads across Russell's face. All right, that's what I like to see. Need some food, huh? Anything in particular you want, or to just check out the pantry, see what strikes your fancy? Just staples, canned stuff. Staples? Russell scoffs. No meat? It's frozen, never goes bad, come on. Dogface tussles Kayla's hair. 
You want anything special, Cuddlebug? I want to come home, she says, so quietly he can barely hear. But Sandra is standing next to them and grimaces. And Russell has ears like a wolf, so he perks up and shakes his head in mock offense, the rifle on his back bouncing in rhythm. You don't like it here, sweetheart? Me and Sandra aren't nice to you? Come on, tell your daddy how many cookies you've had since you've been staying with us. Can you even count that high? Lots of cookies, she says, eyes on the floor. You're really nice. But as she says it, she snuggles closer to Dogface and seems to shrivel like a raisin. A hateful glare flashes in Russell's eyes so fast that Dogface isn't even sure he's seen it until he sees the fearful look that Sandra tries to hide. He changes the subject. You want to try this batch, Russell? It's some top-shelf shit. Immediately after swearing, he glances down at Kayla, but then he's sure she's heard worse. She spent her whole life the only kid around. Adults stopped bothering to censor themselves a long time ago. Yeah? Yeah. Russell smiles again, though he's still looking at Kayla, not Dogface. Lay it on me. He greedily reaches out a hand, caressing the bag with one finger. Okay, he says. Okay. Who wants to party? Babe, we just took some, Sandra says. You haven't even come down yet. Russell rolls his eyes, snorts, gives Dogface a can-you-believe-her look. How about it, Dogface? You in? He wants to say no. Sure. And then Russell turns to Kayla. How about you, sweetheart? He coos. No, Russell, Dogface says. She's too young. On Russell's face is the look of a man who hasn't had anyone say no to him in a long while. Irritation and confusion and bemusement all in one. Who cares? We're all dying anyway. What's it going to do? Ruin her life? How old are you, sweetheart? Dogface is shocked, and he's sure his face shows it, but he can't help himself. To hear Russell say it out loud, what they all think about all the time, but no one ever says. The world is over. They're just playing out the clock. But Russell had always fought against that. It was part of his allure. They might all just be waiting to leave the world, but they would go out in style. That's why they live in this apartment complex that not a single one of them could have afforded back when the world was still going on. He answers for his daughter as if every word she speaks to this man will taint her. She's four. Russell laughs and shakes his head. Lord Almighty, by the time you're eighteen, I'll be dead. He turns back to Dogface. Come on, let the kid have some fun. Dogface shakes his head and another brief flash of rage contorts Russell's face, there and gone like a lightning bolt. Fine, he says. He yanks the bag from Dogface's hand, takes it with him into the bedroom, slams the door behind him. The lock clicks. Dogface and Sandra are silent for a long moment, looking at each other, Dogface absent-mindedly stroking Kayla's hair. Dogface hisses, what the hell was that? Sandra's jaw tightens and she shakes her head. Kayla, honey, why don't you go play with your dolls for a minute? She looks meaningfully at the opposite end of the room, and Kayla nods and goes, getting a baby doll out of a box and beginning to brush its hair, whispering to it. He's getting worse quicker, Sandra says. You were right to try and get out when you did. I try to help him, but he doesn't want help. Something's wrong. A brain tumor or something. He's changed so much. The paranoia, the things he says, dogface... The words pour out from behind a bursting dam. Dogface realizes he's the only one she can fully trust. The others could still be under Russell's sway. But he tried to leave. She knows he agrees with her. 
He's insane. He's changed. I don't like him around Kayla. I know. We can leave if we work together. Bullshit. She cuts him off. What's different if I come with you? But I can't... I don't... He looks at Kayla, playing with her doll, somehow still innocent despite everything. He looks pleadingly at Sandra. He wants his daughter to keep that for as long as she can in this world. That isn't too much to ask. You're right, Sandra says sternly, unwavering gaze fixed on his eyes. Russell has gotten dangerous. You've seen the guns. She leans forward and takes his hand in hers. His looks rough and pale and stunted in her dark, thin-fingered hands, like some sort of cave-dwelling fish brought to the surface for the first time. He can't take his eyes off her hands. It's the most he's touched anyone in years. Sandra squeezes, and he looks up at her. The question is, Charlie, what are you going to do about it? Never trust anybody. Probably the most important of the commandments, and here Dogface is breaking it. He crouches in the corner of an empty apartment, what little light there is outside kept out by plywood and plastic and duct tape, his arms wrapped around his knees, rocking back and forth to keep his blood pumping. Even with the windows boarded up, the room is frigid, and if he has to stay for much longer, frostbite will set in. Dogface and Sandra plan to meet in this apartment on the abandoned fourth floor, centrally located so they can retreat to opposite stairwells, tell anyone they might run into on the way up that they were scrounging in the skeletal remains of the underground shopping plaza that connects the building to the old metro station. Dogface even brought a couple tattered paperbacks for verisimilitude. The door creaks open, and Dogface stops moving. Hello? he whispers. A figure silhouetted against the open doorway, then the door closes and it's dark again. But his eyes are accustomed to the dark, and he sees someone cross the room toward him, the vague outline of a person, like a shoddily assembled ghost costume. He tenses, but as the figure gets closer, he realizes it's Sandra. Hey, she says quietly, how are you? How are things coming? How's Kayla, he asks. It's been over a week since he's seen his daughter. Russell continues to withhold her, paranoid. His temper a glass of water teetering on the edge of a wobbly table. And everyone else is under his thumb, either scurrying around like mice trying to avoid a cat, or else so wrapped up in Russell's long reign that they've forgotten that he used to be sane, kind, a good leader. So Dogface has been holed up in his lab, working. She's fine, Sandra says quickly. Her tone softens, and she adds, as fine as she can be, anyway. Can't you do something? Put her somewhere else? Like he listens to me. Not anymore. The new batch will be ready tomorrow. Good. Sandra nods decisively. Russell is almost out. He's using constantly. I guess it's good he's stoned all the time. He hasn't asked why you're not around. Something clanks in the next room, some long frozen pipe breaking inside the wall. Both of them stop talking, stand stock still until they're sure it's nothing. He's not going to trust me. That doesn't matter. He needs the primavera, the illusion of warmth. Sandra reaches out and puts a mitten-clad hand on his shoulder. You're doing this for Kayla. Don't forget that. For her, and for me, and for everyone. You're the only one who can. I don't know if I can. I'm not a killer. Russell has your daughter. Has Kayla. He's not going to give her back. Dogface nods and blinks slowly. His eyes have watered and his eyelashes briefly freeze together. 
In the time it takes for him to crack open his eyes and wipe away the tears, Sandra's hand leaves his shoulder and she's gone, the door closed behind her, and dog-face lighter one paperback mystery. Daddy! Kayla shouts with such unrestrained glee, such uncorked enthusiasm, that Dogface is sure it will trigger something in Russell, that the man will suddenly realize that Dogface hasn't been around, and he'll wonder why. His body stiffens, but he shakes it off and crouches down just in time to catch his daughter as she barrels into his arms. Hey there, cuddlebug, he says into her hair. He inhales deeply, breathing in the singular smell of his child. He can't help himself, whispers, I missed you so that only she can hear, and prays she won't say she missed him, too. She doesn't, not out loud, just hugs him tighter. Russell stands a few feet away, behind the bar, a ray of guns in front of him, Sandra at his side. Dogface, what's happening, friend? What's a good word? You know me, Dogface says, a smile on his lips that doesn't reach his eyes. Always working, always hustling. Does he sound realistic? He never sold drugs before everything fell apart. He's aping things he's heard in movies, on bad TV shows. He's a fraud, and it has to be showing. He feels Sandra's gaze burning into him. Another commandment broken. Never let them know your next move. Sandra could give him up any second, whether on purpose to cement her loyalty to Russell, or accidentally just by looking at him in the wrong way. He can't look at her, can't risk it, so he reaches behind himself and grabs his backpack. This, this is the bomb. Russell has taken half a step toward him and stops mid-stride. That is a word Dogface has never used. Too gregarious, boastful. The look in Russell's eye is utterly inscrutable. Even Kayla takes a step back from her father, like she senses he is suddenly toxic. Eyes squinted, Russell looks from Dogface to the backpack and back again. The bomb, huh? It's off the chain, ill, the shiznit. No, 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 Dogface stammers, verbally backpedaling as furiously as he can, his mind racing. It's just good, is all, real good. Yeah, what's so good about it? It's, you know, I've been tinkering with the recipe. Sandra deflates. Russell doesn't even notice, so laser-focused is he on Dogface and the backpack full of Primavera. Tinkering? Are you fucking high? This is a precise formula. Russell gesticulates wildly, takes a menacing step toward Dogface, and Kayla backs farther away, edging toward Sandra, who takes a protective step toward the girl. Don't tell me how to do my job, Dogface snaps. The genuine offense throws Russell, who stops moving but fumes in place. Emotions flicker across his face like a time-lapse video. Respect, amusement, resentment, fear, scorn. Careful, he says, just the one word, but it's colder than anything outside. Slowly, Dogface unzips the backpack, takes out the gallon Ziploc, and holds it out, not quite offering it to Russell, but dangling the offer in front of him. Firelight glitters off the tablets. A lazy smile plays on Russell's lips. His hand drifts toward the bag of Primavera before he abruptly snatches it back like he's touched a hot stove. The smile drops. You take a hit first. Adrenaline bursts into Dogface's body. His vision tunnels, the only sound the blood pounding in his ears. Dogface can't see anything but Russell, his slit eyelids, his cocked eyebrow, the curious tilt of his head. He's crazy, not stupid. 
feeling every single one of his nerve endings, every synapse and neuron firing in his brain, every red blood cell latching onto oxygen and sprinting through his arteries, Dogface forces himself to take a long, deep breath. The scope of his vision widens ever so slightly, just enough that he can see Kayla standing off to his side. He can see her head swiveling incrementally between her father and her captor. She looks as scared as he feels. Keep your family and business completely separated, a commandment he can't follow. His business is for his family. He'll do this for Kayla. Yeah, okay, he says, placating. Who am I to turn down a hit? As Dogface takes out a capsule and brings it to his mouth, Russell glares at his hands, like someone trying to figure out how a magician is doing a trick. Dogface dry swallows, a feat, considering how parched his mouth and throat have suddenly become, and gives Russell what he hopes is a reassuring smile. Open your mouth and stick out your tongue. Jesus, Russell. Sandra says under her breath, but he shoots her a look and she quiets. Open your mouth and stick out your tongue. Dogface does, his mouth creaking open like a stuck door, his tongue flopping across his lower lip like a slug. He watches Sandra out of the corner of his eye, but she's not looking at him, she's looking at Kayla. And the look in her eyes is so full of concern, of genuine affection, that he softens. She's with him. He has to believe that. Screw the commandments. They're just words from some old song, from a world that no longer exists. Russell grins wide. All right, let's get lit. He extracts a pill from the bag, holding it almost daintily between two fingers, places it carefully into his mouth. As Dogface feels the last dregs of tension drain from his body, Russell takes a second dose of Primavera and pops it into his mouth with the first one washes them down with a long sip of vodka. But it will take a minute to kick in, though Dogface should feel it first, should be the first to die. He looks at Kayla, mouths, I love you, Cuddlebug. She smiles. This is a good moment, he thinks. His eyelids want to droop. It feels like sun is shining on his skin, a perfect sunny spring day. He tries to open his eyes, but finds he can't thinks about prying his eyelids open with his fingers, but his arms won't move either. He tries to say out loud what he just mouthed before, but doesn't know if his lips move, if his vocal cords vibrate. Sweat prickles his brow, his armpits, the hollow of his chest right above his hammering heart. He pictures his daughter sitting beside him on a sun-drenched beach somewhere in the tropics, the sun beating down hotter than he's ever felt it, melting him down into nothing. Scorching away imperfections, a bright and hot sun, like the world will never see again. And there you go. Huge thank you, a huge thank you to Tim. Tim, thank you so much, and Andrew. Oh man, both of you, thank you so much, gentlemen. It is an honour and a pleasure to have you on board Starship Sova. So, that's it, man. All of a sudden, it's gone. Show 555 is off into the ether. Big thank you to everyone who's come on with Patreon. That's a huge, a huge bonus. Thank you so much. If you can help, that would be fantastic. Trust us, it would be fantastic. So, I would just like to leave you with good night from me. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction.
You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.